Wow, what a morning already. Anybody think that Jesus was alive? Changing lives, touching hearts. You know, sometimes we can forget, uh, particularly that Jesus Christ wants to impact lives and make such a difference in, in individuals' lives. And, and you may be visiting this morning and, and we just want to let you know that the reason that we are so enthusiastic and so excited and so blessed is because we, we, we know that Christ, there was a time when we did not know him and there was a time when Christ entered our lives and completely changed our hearts. It goes back to this amazing moment after the burial of Jesus In Mark chapter 15 and verse 42, it says, It was the day of preparation, the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. And when he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Jesus, to Joseph. So Joseph brought some linen clothes, took down the body, wrapped it it in linen and placed it in the tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled the stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. And when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salam, uh, brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on that first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. The most amazing words. He is not here. He is risen. When you read the account of Mark's gospel and you understand exactly what is taking place, the first thing you notice when you read this scripture is the amount of names of people mentioned. I mean, as you read through it, you've got Joseph, you've got Mary, you've got Mary Magdalene, you've got a centurion, you've got Pilate himself, the the writer as, as Peter dictates this, the writer explains that there are all of these people involved in this, this, this amazing story. You see, we all know historically that around this time there are a lot of Messiah movements. We know that they came and they went. We know that they raised their little crowd and then it collapsed like a house of cards. But here in the story of Jesus, this movement exploded. It never stopped moving forward. And here we see the author desperate to point out the fact that all of these people were present. They saw it. They went through it. Why was this case? 
Well, very simply, what the author wants to do and the way that the author is writing is saying, these are real people with a real situation. In fact, you can go and find these people and discover their story because they were there. They saw it. They were real witnesses. This is not the creation of a legend. This is reality. This is fact. Christ rose from the grave. In fact, the Apostle Paul said that... He appeared to many, over 500. And the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, Go, go and find these people. You can find them today. You can go and see. You can talk to them. In fact, there were so many people that it was pretty clear that it wasn't some kind of hallucination or massive hoax. In fact, Jesus appeared five times in the Gospels and then went on to appear many, many times until his ascension into heaven. Now, of course, lots of people have tried many, many times to to disprove the fact that Jesus had risen from the grave. Many people have tried to, to challenge this fact. But the one fact we know historically is that Jesus Christ rose. There was a certain Greek historian and philosopher um, called Celsius in the 2nd AD who wrote extensively about Christianity and how crazy it is that they follow the risen Lord. And, And even in his writings he said, we know that Christianity cannot be true Because Christianity is based on the testimony of women. And he said, and I quote, we know how hysterical women are. Um, How very sexist of him. And how very wrong. But you see, if you're going to write a fictitious story, you would never put women at the heart of the story because a woman's testimony was worth nothing in the ancient world. But the reason they are there and the reason they are part of the story is because this is not fictitious. This is true. Christ has risen. And when, when he came, Jesus came and appeared to his disciples. You'd think he'd look at them and say, you know... Where were you, you bunch of cowards? Where did you go, you backstabbing individuals? There I was and you ran off, apart from John, of course. You ran off in different directions. You, you, you didn't, didn't stick around. You didn't believe. You, you've forgotten how many times I told you. In fact, in Mark's Gospel, he says it three times. In Mark chapter 8, Mark chapter 9, Mark chapter 10, he says, I will die and on the third day I will rise again. I will die and on the third day I am going to rise again. I will die and on the third day I will rise again. Do you think Jesus was trying to make a point? (laughs) He was saying yes. And if he said it three times in the Gospel of Mark, and Mark is sparing on his words, you can know that Jesus spoke this again and again. And when he appeared to those dear disciples, he looked at them and simply said, peace be with you. I'm going to make it fine. Yes, you ran. Yes, you were cowards. But I'm going to turn you from cowards into mighty leaders. 
And you see the movement of Christianity within 300 years had spread throughout the Roman world. It had changed lives. No matter what Celsius says in his writings, no matter what anybody spoke about it, Christianity was unstoppable. The leaders of the movement were willing to die for it. They knew that so many of people witnessed it. And why did they realise this? Simply because it is true. That Christ died And on the third day, he rose again. You see, we've explained on this journey towards Easter, Sunday after Sunday and service after service, that Christ came as a ransom for our sins. We've explained that he took our sins upon himself by dying on the cross. And that whatever we have travelled through, the pain the disappointment, the failure, the things we're ashamed of. Christ took all of our condemnation, took all of our judgment, and he took it upon himself so that we can no longer be condemned, but we are forgiven and we are made right with God. That's what Christ did for us. That's how he gave his life. And when Christ walked into death, he was taking the penalty for the crime of humanity's sin. As he walked into death, he was giving his life for the whole of creation and humanity. He was paying the price. He was bringing us back to God. And if you like, as he walked into that prison cell of God's judgment, as he took hold of the sentence that was there for our sins and there laid down his life on resurrection morning, on this morning, what a happened, he had paid the price in full. He had paid the sentence and the prisoner could now walk out of the prison cell victorious having paid the price for the sins of the world. That's what he did. He walked out of the cell of death. He walked out of the cell of judgment. He walked out of condemnation and on the third day he rose again so that we can be free. This has massive implications for our lives. You might say, well, what does it mean? Well, it means that when Jesus rose on the third day, a stamp went down and said, it has been paid in full. It's been paid. Our debts are forgiven. Our failings are forgiven. If we come to Jesus, just as Kim and Jim, they, they communicated. I mean, who needs a preacher this morning after Kim? Um, really? It was glorious. We know that Jesus changes lives. He has risen bodily. With a body, he had his scars, his body was there, he came and visited his disciples. And we can often find this very hard to understand. Because the Christian faith is based upon the fact that when, because Christ has risen from the grave, there will be a great rising. There will be a new beginning. There will be a new earth. There will be a time when all things are made right. In fact, the prophet Isaiah says, it will be a time, symbolically he said, where the lion will lay down with the lamb. When all that is broken will be healed. 
When all that is cracked will be made whole. When God will bring everything correct and he will heal the world and we will rise again and we will have new bodies and we will live for eternity. Because Christ has risen, you and I will rise again. Because Christ lives eternal, you and I will live for eternity. That's the great promise of the Christian faith. You know, often we face death. Often we face illness. Often we face such difficulties. And we find it hard to face these things, of course. We find death hard to face. We find suffering hard to face. We struggle with this. But you know what the, what, what the Christian faith teaches us is this. That I may find it hard to face my body that is heading towards death. But what Christ, Christ teaches through the resurrection is, this is not my only body. This is Mark 1, but God has such a better upgrade. This is not my only body because he has risen. I will rise. I will live for eternity. This is the great. And we find it hard because we think, well, this is our only chance. This is our only, only time. This is our only life. And, and so this is my only body. This is my only future. I live in this world and then I die. And then that's it. No, no, no. He has risen. He has risen. He has risen. The gift that Christ gave to this world, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, is the gift of eternal life through Christ. This is not your only body. And you go, hallelujah. And although we face suffering, and although we face difficulty, and although we face illness and challenges in life, this is not the only life you will ever live. Because Christ promises that. I remember when I first became a Christian at 17, I remember the, the story of uh, Joni Erickson. Now, Joni Erickson Tarder. And, and she was a remarkable young woman because she had had an accident, a, a diving accident, and she had become paralyzed from the neck down. And yet her story is profound because she discovered a faith in Christ that ran so deep in her life. And around Easter, I often think about her story because... She captures the heart of what I'm trying to communicate to you this morning. She's in the wheelchair. And she writes how she'd be in her wheelchair and go to church and the Christians were there and the service and the priests would lead the service and at the point in the service every week, everybody would kneel down. But she couldn't kneel down. She couldn't move. And she'd sit there and she'd watch everybody kneeling down. She recalled that she went to a great conference. I don't know whether she was speaking there. She became quite a well-known speaker. But the, the, the evangelist preaching preached and then said, you know, let's all kneel before the Lord. And thousands of people fell to their knees and knelt before the Lord. 
and she looked across the crowd, seeing everybody kneeling. And she said she just started to weep at that moment. Just started to weep. And as she started to weep, she said, I wasn't weeping out of self-pity. No, I'd long got over that. I wasn't weeping out of anger. No, I'd long got over that. I was weeping because I knew one day I would get a new body. I was weeping because at that moment, one day I would find myself before the Lord Jesus Christ. And she said, you know what I'm going to do when I stand before the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm going to fall right on my knees. I'm going to kneel. This gnarled body, this broken body that I have, she described, is going to be renewed. I'm going to have a new body. And when I see Jesus, the first thing I'm going to do is do something I've never been able to do, I'm going to kneel before my Christ with my new body, that new body. See, we can become so focused and miss the true message of the resurrection, the new beginning, the new body. In fact, uh, a good friend of mine who comes in a, a wheelchair on Saturday evenings, lovely, young man that I've got to know over many years and prayed with him as I've been pastoring here. He, he listened to this sermon last night and then he grabbed hold of me. He said, Pastor Phil, you know when I get that new body, I'm going to join you and you and I are going to run a marathon in heaven together. <laughs> That's what the, it's about. Is that incredibly Jesus is declaring by his resurrection... And Paul says, if the resurrection isn't true, then we have no faith. If the resurrection isn't the truth and the life, then, then we might as well forget the rest in Thessalonians, he said this. You might as well forget it. He says, because you may be here and, and you may look at your life, but I want to tell you, like my friend... That if you can't run a marathon and you get your new body and go to the glory of the new heavens and the new earth, let me tell you something, you will run that marathon. Maybe you're like me with no, no rhythm and I can't dance. When I get my new body, I'm going to dance with my wife. Maybe you live a life of loneliness and an internal battle. Oh, you love Jesus, but you know how hard it's been in your life and how lonely when you, get, when you reach all things made new in the glory of God, you will find a satisfaction and a peace that you've never experienced. Maybe you've battled with, with turmoil of the mind. Maybe you've battled with a restlessness of, of, of the battles so many do with, with anxiety and mental health and problems in your life. What Jesus promises, you will have peace and peace beyond you can ever imagine. 
See, do you think the early disciples went and preached in slave towns and, and cities in the Roman Empire and preached, you know, Jesus said he rose from the dead, but he really didn't raise from the dead. And it's just symbolic to let you have a bit of encouragement. And all those early converts went, wow, that's amazing. You mean it's not really true, but if I believe in it, it will make a little difference to my life. Wow, I want to set the world on fire because of that message. No way. We know that he has risen, that he is free. And those early preachers preached because they knew it, because they saw it and they knew that there was an age to come and that Christ has risen. He promised that to us. He say, oh, Pastor Phil, you really believe in fairy tales, don't you? Happy endings. Oh, this is, this is like, a, like the ultimate fairy tale that you're saying that if I trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, I confess my sins, I invite him into my life, then I am given the gift that Christ received. And because Christ lived, because he died, and because he went into the tomb, and then he rose again, I can follow that exact way, and I can live for eternity and have the gift of eternal life. That's the happiest ending I've ever heard. It's true. It was um, the great writer and um, thinker and, in fact, theologian and, and linguist Tolkien that wrote about this in his famous essay called Fairy Tales. He wrote a massive essay about the reality that in human nature, the underlying reality of human beings is a narrative that we believe and we love to think about happy endings and we long for a great day when all evil is defeated. Now Tolkien, being a very devout Christian, translating the Jerusalem Bible and studying the ancient myths of all the world, he came to the point of being absolutely convinced that the human desire and the human understanding and the human hardwiring that we love happy endings... It's not some kind of wishful thinking. It's rooted in the reality that there is a redeeming God reaching out to us. There's a redeeming God that loves us. There's a redeeming God that has brought the greatest happy ending of all time, of all history, that Christ died, that he rose again on the third day. And this isn't a copy of the story. This is the story of humanity. It is the story that will change your life. It is the happy ending beyond all happy endings. And this is why C.S. Lewis believed and many other great academics as they studied the great myths and legends of the world, they all pointed in one direction to a great battle when death is defeated and humanity lives eternal. And they were convinced as Oxford academics that that great story, the only true story, the underlying reality of truth is that Christ is the way, the truth and the life. And when he said, I am the resurrection and the life, he meant it. It's true and it will change your life. 
We love that story of coming home, of defeating evil. That's why Tolkien wrote um, The Lord of the Rings. That's why it's so set in the way it did. That's why Lewis wrote Narnia. Because they were taking the greatest story, the true story, and communicating it in such a powerful way. Every film. In fact, some people say the reason why Steven Spielberg never received an Oscar for many, many years was that that our society is the first society ever who despises happy endings. We're the Seinfeld generation. We're the generation that we don't like it all tidy. We don't believe in happy endings. We don't believe in this good news. And we dismiss it. And it wasn't until um, Steven Spielberg stopped making happy endings and made the films with a sad ending that he eventually won an Oscar. It's a sad reflection on our age that we've become so cynical and we've lost any sense. And as you look at any film and you flick through Netflix, there's an underlining theme of redemption. There's an underlining narrative of defeating evil. There's an underlining reality that there is something more, that there is an answer, that there is a happy ending, that there is truth out there. And that truth, that happy ending is found in Christ. Just the other night, I, I watched a film called Lion. A story of a young five-year-old Indian boy called Saru. And then if you watched it, get your tissues out. It's an incredible story of a five-year-old lost on a train. Travelled a thousand miles as if he got stuck on a train in in Kelowna, and ended up in Winnipeg. Doesn't get any worse than that. And, <laughs> and he arrived in Calcutta. As he arrived in Calcutta, he was lost on the streets, almost trafficked. Found himself in desperate situations. Eventually was adopted by an Australian family. And 25 years later, when Google Earth came on, he remembered the images. He remembered the location, sort of. And he searched for two years, every station in India, looking for the way to go home. Looking to find his mother. Looking for the answer. Searching because he had an underlying truth deep within him that there was more that he was loved, that there was an answer, that there was a mother that loved him somewhere out there. And through the power of Google Earth, (laughs) he found the train station where 25 years earlier he'd fallen asleep, lost his brother, climbed onto a train, the doors locked, and three days later, arrived in Calcutta, lost as a five-year-old. Boy, an underlying message of a search, an underlying message that there is hope, an underlying message that the reality is that beyond all of our stories, 
And when we hear those stories and we see the final moments of the film, him hugging his, his mother, his Indian mother in that small village and tears running down the, uh, his face and the glory of, the re, of them being reunited strikes something at the very core of what we call humanity. And when the disciples met the risen Christ and they looked at the scars, he said, here, here are the scars. Look, I've been through it. Here is the pain, tears, hugs, embracing, touching, because the one that was lost has been found. The one who died has risen. And from that point on, the Lord Jesus has sought out every one of us who are lost that need to be found. Every Jim in the world who's battling with cancer, who's an atheist, who one day comes to a prayer meeting, meets some Christian, is changed. Every Kim who is lost in a world of turmoil, running in every direction, but finds some Christians who introduce her to the Lord Jesus Christ. And she stands up here declaring the good news. Yes, a happy ending. And it is only a happy ending because Christ has risen. And you let that story invade your life because we are all that lost orphan. We've all got on a train of sin. We've all been locked in the city of this world and we've believed the reality that we are orphaned, that there is no hope, that we are broken and yet there is a Father in heaven that runs to every one of us and a Son that has made it possible and every one of us can come home and experience the embrace of the Father's love. Every one of us. And so on this great Easter morning, how about you? Jesus showed them the scars. He said, look, look, look. Why did he show them those scars? I think because when they were going through the most difficult times themselves as disciples and followers of Jesus in the Roman Empire, they would think back. All the disciples died for their belief, which is another reason why it wasn't a hoax. Why would you die for something that wasn't true? They all died. And maybe as they were facing their death, they remembered his scars... And they saw their scars and it reminded them that this isn't the end of the story. This is not the end of the story. That they will live again. And you look at your life and you see your scars. You see your pain. You see the scars that you've travelled through in life. Do you know, we've all got scars, true. You've all got a story that if I sat long enough with you would make me weep. You've all got scars. I've got scars, deep scars. You've got deep scars. Whatever it's grief or sickness or abandonment or or disappointment or I don't know what they are. But when you meet Jesus face to face, 
you will look back and you will see those scars as it were in your resurrected body and it will make you love Jesus more with joy than you can ever imagine. Isn't it amazing that Christ, even in his resurrected form, still held the scars? But it made him love the Father more. And you can bring your scars, your pain, and allow Jesus to bring his forgiveness, his healing, his wholeness to you, if you are willing. Let's pause and pray. Maybe at this moment you know that you want to get right with Jesus. Easter morning is a great morning to come back to Christ. It's a great morning to get right with Him if you've been distant. It's a moment where you can now say yes. Lord Jesus, I give my whole life over to you. This is the prayer I prayed when I gave my life to Jesus. A prayer of commitment. A prayer of rededication. A prayer of getting right with God. Dear Lord, I am sorry for my sins. And I ask you to forgive me. Come into my life and change me. I choose to be your disciple. I choose to follow you this morning. Forgive me of my sins. Renew my life. And become real to me now. And I commit myself to follow you, my risen Lord. I hand my life over to you and ask you to save me. For a moment, as every head is bowed in an Easter prayer moment, I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I'm not going to point anybody else. But I'd like to pray a prayer of blessing for you. That if you prayed a prayer of devotion and commitment to Christ this morning, maybe becoming a Christian, coming back to Christ, or rededicating your life, then for a moment, just raise your hand and put it down and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm coming back to Jesus now. Is there anybody? God bless you. God bless. Come to me. I'm coming back to Jesus. God bless. In the balcony. Just raise your hand. God bless you. Coming back to Jesus. I'm coming back to Jesus now. I've been distant from him. I'm recommitting my life to Christ. Lord, bless every family here, every raised hand, 
every seeking heart that you may be so real to them as you were to Thomas and the other disciples. Thank you for the underlying reality of truth that there is a God of creation seeking to bring his lost children home. That's beautiful, Lord. Thank you for that. Amen.